Do you ever get frustrated when your Latter-day Saint friends misunderstand what biblical Christianity is all about? Introducing Christianity to Mormons, written by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson, will help equip you to share the essential doctrines of the Christian faith with confidence. Published by Harvest House, each of the 10 chapters includes examples of real-life evangelism encounters while giving clear steps on how the information can be used in witnessing situations. Introducing Christianity to Mormons is available wherever quality Christian books are sold. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Are the scriptures replete with references to man's potential for perfection and thus godhood? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue our look at a book titled The Infinite Atonement, written by Tad R. Callister. It was first published in the year 2000, but is still very popular among Latter-day Saints today. As we did yesterday, we're starting to look at what I would call Tad Callister's proof texts for godhood. And what I said at the beginning of the show was actually a sentence taken from page 231. We've already looked at some of what he says about this subject, but we want to continue on looking at some of the verses that he uses to support this idea that men can become gods. And on the bottom of page 231, Eric, he cites John 10.34. He says, The scriptures supporting this doctrine continue to roll forth with repeated and powerful testimony. At one point, the Savior was about to be stoned by the Jews for blasphemy. To this charge, he responded, Is it not written in your law, I said, ye are gods? That's John 10.34. He was referring to his own Old Testament declaration with which the Jews should have been familiar, quote, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High, end quote, and that's from Psalm 82, 6. Now, this is one that we often hear Latter-day Saints citing, but when Jesus said, is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods, even Tad Callister doesn't agree that he's a god right now. At best, Callister himself says that we are gods in embryo. They are not full-blown gods during this mortality. That alone would tend to tell me that the answer that Callister gives to this verse is not fitting what Jesus actually said, because Mormons don't believe that they're gods right now. But he is correct when he says that Jesus was referring to the Old Testament. He was referring to Psalm 82.6. Now, what I find fascinating is There is a book that is published by the church. It's called Jesus the Christ. It was written by James Talmadge. It was commissioned by the first presidency for James Talmadge to write this book. And in this book, Jesus the Christ, Talmadge responds to Psalm 82, verse 6. He explains what he feels that verse is actually saying. Let me read to you what he says on page 501. Talmadge writes, divinely appointed judges called gods. In Psalm 82.6, judges invested by divine appointment are called gods. To this scripture, the Savior referred in his reply to the Jews in Solomon's porch. 
that would be a reference to John 10 Mm -hmm. that Callister is citing here. Talmadge goes on to say, Judges, so authorized, officiated as the representatives of God and are honored by the exalted title, gods, quote-unquote. Compare the similar appellation applied to Moses, and he recites Exodus 4.16 and Exodus 7.1. Jesus Christ possessed divine authorization, not through the word of God transmitted to him by man, but as an inherent attribute. The consistency of calling human judges gods and of ascribing blasphemy to the Christ who called himself the Son of God would have been apparent to the Jews but for their sin-darkened minds. Here's where I think Callister misses it. Jesus is God. We are not. Jesus refers to Psalm 82, which is, according to Talmadge, a reference to divinely appointed judges. And surprisingly, that is what I would call a majority understanding of this text. Now, I'm familiar with the writings of Michael Heiser. He tends to take a different approach to this, referring to this council of the gods. Even if you held to that position, it doesn't support the Mormon view. No. So that's not going to help the Latter-day Saint. And Heiser makes that very clear, even though he may disagree with what Talmadge is saying. But it doesn't make any sense, Bill, for Jesus to tell the people that he criticized the most, the Pharisees, ye are gods. He's referring to these people who are sinful human beings. He didn't think that they were gods. So I think that we need to take a look at the context of what John 10 is talking about and say, no, That's not a good proof text to support the Mormon idea that people can be deified. Now, there are others that Callister uses that are not surprising to us because we've heard them many times, and we've talked about them many times on this show. And you can go to our website, mrm.org slash the infinite atonement with hyphens in between the infinite atonement. We have some more explanations of the verses that are used. Almost a dozen verses are used in support, and these are just not very good. For another classic example of Tad Callister performing another act of eisegesis or reading into the passages things that the author never intended, we can turn to page 233, and this is his rendering of Philippians 2, 5 through 6. He starts off by saying, The critic, unable to understand, responds, But such a concept lowers God to the status of man and thus robs God of his divinity. To the contrary, comes the reply, does it not elevate man to his divine potential? That's what Mormonism does. It elevates man, whereas the Bible and Christianity elevates God. It's completely opposite. But he's also reading into this idea of what this divine potential is, and he's assuming that this type of perfection that the Bible talks about is equated to becoming a god, which is something that we don't see when we read those same verses. He goes on and says, Paul knew the critic's argument well and gave the answer that should have silenced him once and for all. Speaking to the saints of Philippi, he said, quote, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, end quote. And that's Philippians 2, 5 through 6. He goes on, the Savior knew that for him to be a God would not rob God of his divinity. Paul carries this one step further. He suggests that each of us should view these things as Jesus did. For if we do, we will also know that it is possible for us to become like God without robbing him of his divinity. That is good logic. 
when I read this for the first time, I even have a little thing next to this. I wrote, wow, with an exclamation point, because I don't get this out of Philippians chapter 2, that somehow it's possible for us to have Godhood as what he's trying to say here. Well, I'm glad that bothers you, Eric. That makes me feel good. Because if you were to go look at the passage that Callister is citing, it doesn't say anything like he says at the end of that section that Eric read, where Paul is suggesting that each of us should view these things as Jesus did. For if we do, we will also know that it is possible for us to become like God without robbing him of his divinity. It doesn't say that at all in those passages. It doesn't say that at all. In fact, what is the context of the passage? It's all about having a unity. And how do we have this unity? By being humble with each other. It's unity through humility. That is the emphasis of Philippians chapter 2. The verses at the beginning of that chapter, again, are not saying that we have the potential to become a god. It's merely saying that we should be humble, that as Jesus himself is God, and if he was humble, all the more should we as sinful human beings should be humble in how we treat one another. Yeah, he says in verse 3, not to do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves. And then he goes on in verses five and following, and he says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I find it incredible that a man such as Tad Callister could take this verse and think merely because Paul recognizes that Jesus is God and obviously would not think it robbery to be equal with God, that Callister, and I guess I could place the same blame on all other LDS leaders who have tortured this passage to make it somehow imply that Paul was saying that we can become gods too. And unfortunately, how many Latter-day Saints agree with Ted Callister on this? Bill, as you said, this is really a case of eisegesis, reading into the passage based on your own presuppositions. Mormonism teaches that man has divine potential. You're going to take a passage that has nothing to do with what you're trying to make it say and turn it into a wrong interpretation. And this is the problem when you have a religion like Mormonism, the leaders are not teaching biblical truth. Well, I guess it goes back to what he said earlier, where he admits that critics such as ourselves find this idea that men can become gods as being blasphemous. It is blasphemous. This is why we take it so seriously, folks. It is certainly in our estimation to be a blasphemous notion, but because we're Christians and we're concerned for the Latter-day Saint people, do you think we want them to believe something that we see as blasphemous? And this is why we try to reach out to the LDS people to get them to see the problems with the conclusions they come to based on passages that certainly don't draw that conclusion. On page 242, he tells the story of Lorenzo Snow. We've talked about this before, but I think it's important because he includes this story in his book. What is the story about shortly before his death? 
President Lorenzo Snow visited Brigham Young University for the purpose of speaking to the assembled student body. On their way to the assembly room, BYU President George H. Brimhall escorted President Snow through one of the kindergarten rooms. There, President Snow saw the children making spheres with clay and said, quote, President Brimhall, these children are now at play, making mud worlds. The time will come when some of these boys, through their faithfulness to the gospel, will progress and develop in knowledge, intelligence, and power in future eternities until they shall be able to go out into space where there is unorganized matter and call together the necessary elements and through their knowledge of and control over the laws and powers of nature to organize matter into worlds on which their posterity may dwell and over which they shall rule as gods. Here is the story of them making these little spheres that Lorenzo Snow says eventually become real worlds. And yet if you go to the LDS.org website under Mormonism 101 FAQ, it denies this teaching that they believe that they're going to rule over their own worlds. Though Callister includes this story, the story is found in a correlated manual. It's found in the Presidents of the Church Student Manual, Religion 345, and is found on pages 90 and 91. So in essence, the story that Mr. Callister is telling here has the approval of the First Presidency because the manual that Eric just cited is a correlated manual approved by the First Presidency. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.